Greetings in the name of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This devotional is titled, The Scariest Text in the Bible. Matthew 7, 21-23 has been called the scariest text in all the Bible. It is so scary because these people actually think they know the Lord. They actually think they are serving the Lord. Oh, the horror to discover in the end that such is not the case. Such is the nature of self-deception. It is a powerful thing. Of course, had they really been honest with themselves, they would have seen that they were nothing but religious hypocrites, as seen in their practice of lawlessness. In Matthew 7, 21-23, Christ addresses the issue of a false profession. False prophets, Matthew 7, 15-20, and false professions go together. The one builds on the other. Jesus said, Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Don't be naive. Not all who intensely profess Christ as Lord are saved. These people are emphatic about it. They call Jesus Lord, Lord. It's repeated for emphasis. Emotionally, they come off as the most sold out. Just one problem. It's all show. They say the right thing, but it's not real in their hearts. They say the right thing, but Jesus is not really their Lord. It's not enough to merely profess Jesus as Lord. It must be real in the heart. The difference is made in the heart. The oldest creed in the Christian church is Jesus is Lord. It's a matter of true faith. We recognize Jesus as Lord God Almighty. He is our Lord and Savior, and it must be personal. So if mere professors aren't going in, who is? Well, Christ says not everyone who says Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom, but rather he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, we know that the New Testament clearly teaches we are not saved by works, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. So, if we are not saved by works, but rather by grace through faith, and not on the basis of works, then what is Christ saying when he says, those who enter the kingdom will be those who do the will of, of the Father? Well, Christ is emphasizing the fruit of true repentance and faith. He is emphasizing a good tree brings forth good fruit. We are not saved by the fruit, but if we are saved, we will bear good fruit. The root is faith. The fruit is the works. As the Reformer said, quote, We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves does not remain alone. End quote. True repentance is expected to show in the life. That is Christ's point. What is the will of the Father in this context? Well, the will of the Father is that people accept the Son, that they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ goes on to say in Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. Doing the will of the Father starts with believing on the Son. It all starts there. And frankly, this believing is itself an act of obedience called the obedience of faith. Obeying the Father starts with obeying the command 
to believe on the Son. Romans 1.5, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Romans 16.26, speaking of the gospel, now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. There's a commandment involved with the gospel and requires the obedience to the faith. The gospel is the message both of who Christ is, the person of Christ, and the work of Christ, who he is, and what he has done to save us. He is Lord God and he is Savior. This gospel message demands a response, an obedience of faith response from the heart. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9 records, of Jesus Christ when he comes in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power one of the key problems one of the major errors in an easy believism gospel so-called is that no response of obedience is required. You don't need to repent. You don't need to accept Christ as Lord. You supposedly just passively accept Jesus as Savior, get a little fire insurance, and it never has to change your life. In true conversion, a radical change of mind takes place that is called repentance. We admit our sin problem. We obediently acknowledge Christ as personal Savior and personal Lord. That is a life-changing reality. John wrote the Gospel of John, the Gospel of Belief, but he also wrote 1 John, which presents a series of tests to distinguish between true faith and bogus faith. And one of the tests is the obedience test, which in effect could be called the Lordship test. 1 John 2, 3, and 4, but now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Yes, we are saved by faith alone, but if the faith is real, it will show in the life. We will obey Christ. We will certainly desire to obey him, even if we are inconsistent in the process, which we all are. Faith in Christ changes a person. It changes the whole trajectory of a person's life. Christ is basically saying, if your profession hasn't changed your life, then you're not saved. If Christ is merely Lord on the lips, but not in the life, then you are not headed for the kingdom. Some who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but it will be those who truly know him as Lord, and it shows in their life in doing the will of the Father. Charles Spurgeon said, if the professed convert distinctly and deliberately declares that he knows the Lord's will, but does not mean to attend to it, you are not to pamper his presumptions. You are not to pamper his presumptions, but it is your duty to assure him that he is not saved. End of quote by Charles Spurgeon. Note, in Christ saying, my father, he strongly implies his divine sonship. Having God as his Father indicates they share the same nature, a divine nature. When Jesus called God his Father, the Jews assumed 
correctly so, that Jesus was making himself equal in nature to God the Father. All the way through this text, there is a strong emphasis on the Godship of Christ. He is called Lord, Lord. He refers to God as my Father, and he has the power to judge for eternity, as seen in verse 23, which is the prerogative of deity alone. It is this one that these phony professors dared to name as Lord, Lord, without any heart reality. It is not enough to say, Lord, Lord, it must be real in the heart. Don't be one that experiences the scariest verses in the Bible. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Lord, we thank you for this very strong warning. Uh, perhaps right there is among the strongest in the whole Bible, in, in the whole New Testament. So, Lord, uh, we thank you for who you are. Truly, Lord, truly Savior, for those who truly believe in you. May we indeed be among them. I pray in his name. Amen.